Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome into the Barreled Up podcast, everybody. We have a special post-trade deadline episode. We're going to be diving into the American League East, the Toronto Blue Jays. We have Scott from the Walk-Off podcast joining. So that's why we're going to really dive into the AL East and the Blue Jays because that's what they cover. First, a quick reminder to make sure that you turn on your automatic downloads. So whenever content is posted to the feed, you got it right away. And remember, you can get this podcast on the Odyssey platform and wherever you get your podcasts. So without further ado, I would like to welcome in Scott from the Walk-Off Podcast, a great a great podcast. Many of you probably very familiar with the walk-off. They get great guests. They cover the Blue Jays tremendously, cranking out content, doing a great job. Scott, how are you doing? Jim, I'm so excited to talk some baseball with you right now. I, I need event session, so this mm-hmm. is probably uh, what you're going to get. I'm not completely disappointed mm-hmm. in, in the moves Toronto have done, but I, I'm sure we will delve right in. <laughs> we will. Let's get right into it. No delays. Give me your trade deadline winners, one or two that really stand out to you that came away either deadline day, because that's when a lot of the focus was, or just overall these last couple of weeks when we had trades going down. I mean, it's hard not to pick the teams out of Texas as two of the big winners of this deadline. Mm -hmm. Really, the Astros bolstering that starting pitching, bringing in Justin Verlander, and Verlander is such a wild card going to the Astros. He's got so much history Mm -hmm. there and he's so comfortable in that clubhouse. We might see 2022 Justin Verlander just show up for these last two months of the season. I mean, the dude has been there, done that great pickup by the Astros. Not a fan, but I love that they went out and did that. Uh, The Rangers, you know what, man? I have not. I just haven't bought into this team almost all year long. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so in now. I mean, this is such a good team. Yeah. It's so hard to deny the fact that Texas Rangers are for real. And you want them to fail because, you know, you see the Mets and you see the Padres and you're like, see, you can't just buy a team. And then you're like, well, maybe you can a little yep. bit. Yep. And honestly, the starting pitching just 
it was probably the biggest concern for them and going out mm-hmm. and very similar to Verlander getting Scherzer, a dude who has been there and done that. I don't think we're going to see Max, Max Scherzer. Right. Peak Max Scherzer. I probably should have just went with peak there instead of doubling up on the Max. But all right. You know, that said, that said, Jim, I really do believe Scherzer has a month of magic in him. You know, like we don't know what he could do in a September or an October. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and he's a wily vet at this point. I loved that move. And the fact that the New York Mets are paying the bill on these two guys for the most right. part. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I like your Rangers take there and they, you, you, you say that you, you sort of, um, you know, weren't a believer early on. There was a reason for that. There was a reason mm-hmm. for that. Their strength of schedule to start the season. The first couple of months was one of the weakest schedules in baseball. So you have to start to think, well, what's really going to happen when they're going up against Houston, when they're going up against Seattle, when they go up against the other top teams, when they start facing the tough teams, how are they going to fare? And they have, for the most part, held their own. Now they hit a little bit of a skid. DeGrom went down. Evaldi went down. They just were swept by the Padres over the weekend. So what was their reaction to that? They go out and trade for Jordan Montgomery and they Great and, 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 and Max Scherzer. Yes. I look at it this way. Now like, they're I'm in a sorry, spot. I didn't buy in, Jim. I didn't buy into Dane Dunning, but I should have, I guess. Right. Because he's been, I mean, he's Ross Stripling for the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, what he did for the Blue Jays in 2022, right? Like, it's just, yeah. it's just this, this swing guy. You, who the heck, like, man, he's right. got an ERA under three right now. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> he has stepped up admirably for that team. He was in the bullpen to start because they had yeah. so many guys and, he was forced into action when DeGrom went down. And then when Evaldi went down, he put more weight on his shoulders. And now he can kind of settle back into back of the rotation, maybe a bullpen guy when you get to the postseason. But they did, and, and, I'll, and I'll give my winner, I think the Angels did a great job. Angels yes. are one of my winners. that You, you, you have to do everything. They have to act like they are already in a playoff spot and they're trying to hold it. That's how they need to act and they need to stay ahead of some teams, right? They need to catch some teams, but they need to act like they're already there. So they went out, they did that with the Giolito trade, with the uh, Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone trades. So you did that. And let's say the Angels miss out on the postseason. At least you can, can talk to Otani when you're doing the negotiations and say, look, we didn't make it, but we went down swinging. We showed you how aggressive we can be, the moves we can make. So I think the Angels won the moves at the, the Rangers of the Angels. I mean, yeah. that's another thing they could kind of go to Otani and be like, listen, sure. there were a point where we had 15 of our 26 regulars that we started the season with out and we right. still went for it for you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's no Mike Trout out there right now, so they're doing mm-hmm. the best. Taylor Ward went down. As soon as Taylor Ward went went down, that's when they made the trade. When they I, I, sort of step one, Taylor Ward, we find out he's out for the year. Step two, trade with the Colorado Rockies. So good job by the Angels. I also think in the end, a good job by the Cardinals. Uh, The Blue Jays' go-to trade partner, this trade deadline, the St. Louis Cardinals, they restock. They, number one goal, had to be bring in some guys that could work their way into that rotation, build up that rotation, Mm -hmm. maybe not for 2024, but for 2025. It's a big 
area of need. They brought in a ton of prospect pitching. So I think the Cardinals also come away as winners. There are other winners for sure. And, and Jim, just yeah. just for the Cardinals fans out there, yeah, I have we've actually on the walk off had Sam Roberts and Adam Klofenstein as guests on the show, and both mm-hmm. of them are very very intelligent young men that know the art of pitching. They really impressed me with how well spoken they were. And when you look at Adam Klofenstein. Uh, he's a dude who was really hyped right at like 18, 19 years old. And then it just took a little longer for him to develop trying to get through the COVID year, right? Not every prospect dealt with that as well. So Mm -hmm. honestly, cloth is 22 robust out of the Netherlands. He's 21 and he's got four pitches that he hits his spots with regularly at 21. Like the cards got a couple good ones there. They really did. Clovis is having a good year at double A. So, I mean, good stuff for the Cardinals. Sort of, we're we're going to pivot to the deadline losers. And I can pivot very seamlessly by comparing what the Rangers did. The Rangers went out and traded for Max Scherzer and Jordan, uh, Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. If the Baltimore Orioles had done that, we would be talking about the Baltimore Orioles today as legitimate World Series championship contenders. You took my pick. That was my pick, too. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) They had an opportunity to go for it. They are a year ahead of schedule. They were a year ahead last year. They're Mm -hmm. another year ahead this year. And that front office, the ownership, is on the record saying, yeah, we kind of got ahead of the plan last year, but that did not impact our spending. We kept our spending where it was. Uh, Michael Elias was not allowed to make the moves he wanted to. I have a feeling the same thing happened this deadline. He was restricted. They go get Fujinami, who starts hitting everybody tonight against the Toronto Blue Jays, loads the bases, starts hitting everybody. Hey, good job. Good job, Orioles, on that one. Anybody that Mm -hmm. liked that trade, I'm laughing at that one now. And the Flaherty trade, all that does is raise the floor. Does not raise the ceiling. Flaherty is more of what the Orioles already have. Guys yeah. that you throw them out there Grace five Rodriguez. times. Yes. It, right. <laughs> you throw them out there five times. Two times will give you a good start. Three times they're going to implode. And one of them, it's going to be a so-so. That's what they've got right now. That's what they get with Flaherty. They had the opportunity. And dude, I'm so sick. I'm so sick of hearing analysts kind of defend that and saying he's stuck with his plan. He's stuck with Mm -hmm. where they're at. You know what? When you've got a chance to win, and let's face it, the Orioles actually have a legit shot at winning. And it is so glaring where their area of need is, right? It is a top end starting pitcher. I know the market during the trade deadline. You're going to need to overpay if there is a organization in baseball that can afford to overpay. It is the Baltimore Orioles. And to see them squander an opportunity to become the best team in the American League, it just doesn't Mm. make any sense to me. And if I was that fan base, if I was the guys in that clubhouse, I'd be pissed, man. The clubhouse might be the fan base. I think there are... I think there are two versions of the Oriole fan base. There's the Oriole fan base that has been gone has gone through this for decades. Yeah. They know this is what the Angelos, this is what the Angelos ownership does. <laughs> Whether it's the father or the sons, this is what they do. And then there is the younger fan base that has not gone through that and is still cutting their teeth and thinks that the Flaherty trade's a good trade and that the Orioles are going to be back doing this every single year. 
It's not how it works. No. You got to take advantage of this next year. I don't want this to happen, but Adley Rushman could get hurt and Gunnar Henderson could go through a regression and Westberg and Kowser and everybody else could just sort of stall out. And, Dude, and, and, and Grayson Rudd could... To count on that young core taking another step forward, it's not always how it works. Development's not mm -hmm. linear. Winning isn't linear. I mean, mm -hmm. when you get your opportunities, you should darn well take it. And the thing yep. with the Orioles that boggles my mind, Jim, is that they need pitching next year. This would yes, have been they a, do. Like if, if you're going to overpay, you might as well overpay and yeah. still be able to get somebody with term. It just makes no sense. I love that you picked this. Like even when I picked mm. the Orioles, I was like, all right, I'll go off the board and I'll pick the Orioles. Right. Right? Like Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. <laughs> I'm killing I'm killing the Orioles. I did my grades and I gave the Orioles an F. I, I think that this was the, the, the setup was there. It was right there on the table for them. Go for it. Establish yourself as I mean, they have the best record in the American League right now. But do we believe that this Orioles team is the World Series favorite out of the American League? No. And it's because mm -hmm. of the pitching. They yeah, had an 100%. opportunity. They failed. They're not going to go out there for newsflash. Anybody that thinks the Orioles are going to go out of this offseason and they're going to get two of the aces, they're not. <laughs> You'll be lucky if they get one of the top six starting pitchers that are available. You'll be lucky if they even get one of them. It's and it'll a mess. be the one you least want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, another deadline loser for me, and then I'll see if you have one more, but the Detroit Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez, kind of hand-in-hand hand with the situation there. Erod decided that he did not want to up his market value, go pitch for a World Series contender, potentially crucial spotlight innings. In October, in the postseason, take your value from $20 million to $25 to $28 million a year AAV if you can come up clutch for the L.A. Dodgers and help them win the World Series for two months. He said, no, I want to stay in Detroit and lose and just be here with nobody watching. That's what he decided. Now, he had the right to do that. He had a no-trade clause, and the Dodgers were on that list. He has family on the East Coast. Didn't want to go away from the family. I'll say this. You ever had a business trip that sent you away for like a week or a couple of days? Did you say no because I need to stay close to my family? No, it's work. You go on the business trip and <laughs> you come back. This essentially was a two-month yeah. business trip for Eduardo Rodriguez. Then he can go and sign with Philly or Baltimore or the Yankees or the Mets or whoever in the offseason and spend the rest of his career on the East Coast, and oh, by the way, maybe be making 
$10 million more per year AAV because of what he just did with the Dodgers. He said no. And the Tigers, the Tigers to be in a position to be left holding the bag is a bad job by them because they knew that he could say no to a trade to the Dodgers. So to be a couple hours away from the deadline, have a deal in place, go to Erod and say, hey, we're sending you to the Dodgers. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. You can't be in that position if you're the Tigers front office. You need to already have, in advance, talk with Eduardo Rodriguez about the Dodgers, and he should have already said no days before. And last about that, let's say that is what happens. You have to, I, I guarantee you, the Dodgers were not the only team calling about Erod. You mean to tell me that hey, was it? There Jim, was no fallback? There had to be. Philly, think Baltimore, about, think Cincy. about the long-term repercussions, right? Like, mm -hmm. like if if I'm if I'm the front office of the Dodgers and I get a phone call from the Tigers from now on, I'm going, you know what? Eat shit. Boom. Exactly. Like, it's just that quick. It's just like, mm -hmm. you know what? Especially if it gets out into the media like it did, it becomes right. public. Now right. there's egg on both your face. Like, come right. on, man. It's just a bad, bad look. Bad, Bad look. look. Any other? Do you have any other? Uh, anyone that really stands out? Any other losers? You know, or would you like to get on to the Blue Jays at their deadline? I really want to quickly hear your thoughts on Seattle because, listen, I'm not saying that they are necessarily a deadline loser, but I don't really understand right. what happened there. It felt like Depoto right. dipped his toe into the selling market, mm -hmm. moved Paul Seawald. His mm -hmm. players lost their mind, publicly mm -hmm. called him out, and then he chickened out on doing the rest. And now he's in this <laughs> weird purgatory midway, keeping right. the Oscar Hernandez. I, I just don't really get it. <laughs> I don't understand it either. When they okay. when it when when it when it sounded like they were selling, they were a half game behind the Angels. The Angels are going all in, right? So if you're Seattle, what are you doing? I, I do think in the end, you trade Seawald. They have other guys that they can insert at the end of games. So there's there's a pivot point there. I, I don't think that they will start losing games because they don't have Paul Seawald anymore. Now, mm -hmm. if they had traded uh, three or four key guys, then, yes, you, you adjust their projected win total. But just Paul Seawald, I don't think that's going to make that much of an impact. Uh, and I like that you got three pieces back, So so good job there. But the whole thing was rather peculiar that Seattle – over 500 and and not just over 500 but finally starting to show some life j-rod is hitting this team uh at the beginning of the month was below 500 you get to the deadline and you're four games over 500 why why are you waving the white flag now i was interested to see all of the Seawall didn't affect it that much yeah like the 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 morale in the clubhouse has got right. to take a hit there yes. and then if you are going to move him the amount of good productive bats on the open market was almost zero. Like right. I guarantee someone would have overpaid for Tay Oscar. So if you've already yep. showed your hand, you've already made the move. It just, it just felt like a, a, a chicken out a, a half, a half measure. It, a, yeah. I don't know. It may have been, this was with the GM was not, was never made public, but it was either Rosenthal or Passon or Feinstein or somebody had a report that they were talking to one of the front office executives and they really wanted to commit to selling because it was such a seller's market that maybe he couldn't help himself. He's like, let me float some guys out there. Let me see what I can get in return because in terms of top end back, top, top end back end arms, it's not that deep in terms of 
high-impact bats, it's not that deep, especially with Cody Bellinger coming off the board. So, mm -hmm. Teoscar, on deadline day, Teoscar, you could say, was the best right-handed bat that was gettable. And Ty France would have been right behind him. Would you rather have Ty France, Teoscar Hernandez, or Tommy Pham? If I'm ranking them based on what they've done in their career, I might lean France and Teoscar over Tommy Pham. Uh, Tommy Pham's a dependable bat. Teoscar Hernandez is striking out a ton. So I can understand those that would say, well, I'd go Tommy Pham. But what Teoscar Hernandez has shown in his career, I think the upside is higher with mm -hmm. Teoscar Hernandez. He could go up there, Teoscar, and hit 10 home runs in September. 10 home runs. He could have a, he could have a 20 homer uh, August and September. He really could. He, he's, he's got that in the bag. He is and guy, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't go anywhere. I do think. I would not be surprised if some of the Teoscar Hernandez buzz that we heard on deadline day was a complete Toronto Blue Jays work yeah. job that they had their people leaking information out to get the Cardinals to execute that Paul DeYoung trade because what the Blue Jays gave up for DeYoung was rather minor. And if it was sounding like the Blue Jays were the front runner to acquire Teoscar Hernandez... Right. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you're the Cardinals and you're like, okay, we'll do it. We'll do the deal. Don't do the Teoscar deal. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, because after the Paul DeYoung trade went completely silent on Teoscar yeah, Hernandez across the board. Uh, let's get to the Blue Jays. We, we, the Blue Jays went to the well three times at mm -hmm. this deadline. First, Henesis Cabrera. Then we had Jordan Hicks. And then we had Paul DeYoung. That was their only trade partner throughout this entire situation. And every time it seemed like they were making the trade to address some big news that had just gone mm. on. Your thoughts on the Blue Jays deadline? Underwhelming, I guess, okay. is the word that comes to mind. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I, I did really like the Jordan Hicks acquisition. I think anytime you can pick up a guy who can throw 105 i mean that's not even human that's not right. something a human should be able to do and there's probably two or three of them in major league baseball mm -hmm. that are that type of guy right so whenever you have someone with that kind of uh velo height and the ability to move the pitches like he can like i mean man it's incredible what jordan hicks can do when he's hitting his spots I just hope they catch lightning in a bottle. You know how relievers mm -hmm. can be. You never 100% know. Does Jordan Hicks have the stuff? Yeah, he does. Does he have the stuff to come out in a playoff game and give two innings and blow everyone's minds? Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. So that is something the Blue Jays didn't have in the bullpen before. With the And I mean that with the utmost respect to Jordan Romano, who is an excellent closer. I just don't think he's that that guy guy, right? Where he's just going to come in and throw 102 and just blow it by a guy. Right. Uh, I, I, I like, I like Henevis Cabrera. I think that the, to give up what they gave up was almost nothing, right? Like they pretty much picked right. him up off the scrap. Like the he, fifth or just, sixth catcher in the organization. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, a, a high ceiling, low, low risk, high reward. Exactly. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. And honestly, even Paul DeYoung. Same experienced thing. dude has some has some pop in his bat plays a good defensive shortstop is he exciting does he does he fill the need jim for a guy who can hit lefties no he doesn't and i don't know what this team does i mean i i really felt positive 
coming out of the the six games against California, right? They mm-hmm. they took two or three against the Dodgers. Should have should have swept them. Just should have straight up swept them. They took yes. two of two or three against the Angels. We could argue they should have swept them. Should have swept them too. <laughs> yes, they should have. And and listen, I I know that whenever this team plays Baltimore, the fan base crumbles, right? We just get in our own head. We're like, everything else that this team has done no longer matters. How can the Baltimore Orioles own us as badly right. as they do? And I mean, the Jays finally won one today. I, I I really just, I look at this team, dude, and I'm like, they are who they are. Yeah. They're a playoff team. They're a wild card team. Yeah. They probably wind up getting out of the wild card and then losing the division. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I really am having a hard time feeling really good about this team because every time they show glimpses of greatness, they shrink. Yeah, no. And, and this was the same thing last year. It's happening mm-hmm. again this year. I will say this about the deadline. It is exactly what I thought they would do. You can go sure. back and listen to tape. It is exactly what I thought they would do. I said Blue Jay fans would probably not be happy that it's just going to be a depth bat and some bullpen arms. That's it. There was no need for a starter. They're in a six-man rotation right now with for you mm-hmm. coming back. The bullpen needs, I, I, I figured two would be the number. Now, I only think we got to two because of Romano going down. If Romano doesn't go down, I don't know if the Jordan Hicks deal ever happens. And then the Paul DeYoung. I think it became Paul DeYoung because Bo went down. Otherwise, it probably would have been an outfielder. But... With the need at shortstop, with with Bo going on the IL, because this team is in a mode where they have to continue to fight for every single game right now. They mm-hmm. cannot go through two weeks of Santiago Espinal at shortstop. That bat, they need to have more of an impact bat. And another thing, Paul DeYoung does, and again, I don't think this was a target heading into the deadline. It kind of fell into their lap. Continues with the sort of formula that this team has been trying to execute on. And that is improve the defense as much as you can get as many guys that can take runs off the board, get that DRS number up. Paul DeYoung does that. He is uh, one of the top shortstops at defensive run saved outs above average. So mm-hmm. he's actually 97th upgrade. percentile, 97th percentile. He's up. There's there. a chance for anybody that wanted Bo Bichette moved to second base this is your chance because Paul DeYoung is the better defensive shortstop. And what if Bo says for the rest of the way, I'll play second because over this next period, when, when Bo's out, Paul DeYoung's making highlight real plays at shortstop. Then all of a sudden, hey, maybe, uh, yeah, Bo, you know what? I'll play second base the rest of the way. The team's better that way. I don't know if Bo would do that. But There's if you, no way. If, There's if no you way. Want- I don't think he would. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. He got his money, right? So he's paid yeah. right now. And Paul DeYoung is a temporary solution. Paul DeYoung's gone mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Bo can feel comfortable knowing he's got shortstop back in the bag next season because Paul DeYoung will will most likely be gone. So you have the defensive element here. Paul DeYoung achieves that. And every now and then you will catch a hot bat there, right? He has the potential to get hot and have a seven homer month. He could do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Santiago Espinal isn't going to do that. You are seeing Whit Merrifield go through that right now. You love that. I think Paul DeYoung could do something similar. So in the end, I think it was, I gave the Blue Jays 
a B minus for what they did because I like where this bullpen is now. The bullpen, when Romano gets better, the bullpen is upgraded. The circle of trust is bigger. And mm-hmm. with Paul DeYoung, that offensive potential uh, to, again, catch lightning and that defensive element is important. I like, I ultimately like what they did. It's easier for me to like what they did because it's exactly what I thought they would do. I think um, part let, of who, my disappointment is, yeah. and and you touched on it there. I think part of my disappointment was I misread what they were doing when they mm-hmm. gave up Sam Roberts, their number seven prospect mm-hmm. overall, and Adam Klofenstein, their number eleven prospect, and brought yeah. in that high velocity, high leverage arm. Because at that point, with a couple days left, I'm like, holy crap. They might actually go for it here. Maybe they right. do push a few more prospects in than we were all anticipating. Sure. I, I I had kind of, I just didn't think that would be it. And it was, and that's where my disappointment comes from is yeah. that I really did think help was coming offensively with a guy right. who could hit left-handed pitching, which I right. don't know why this ha- what hasn't been addressed yet. Like this is something that has been a problem, Jim, since April, since, yeah. since the construction of this lineup. They're going to call up Davis Schneider in September, yeah. and he's going to earn a spot. Uh, he's going to earn a spot on the playoff team because he'll start smashing uh, left-handed pitching. That's Maybe they'll solve it internally. Here's, here's the scary thing for Blue Jays fans. I talk about all the time on the channel, teams have different goals. We, all, we want the Blue Jays to win the World Series as Blue Jay fans. That's what we would love for them to do. But when you're in the front office and you are making difficult decisions, you're making financial decisions, you're making decisions on personnel, prospects, talent evaluation, you have to be honest with yourself as to what the goal is. The Orioles, that ownership, they tip their hand. They show that's exactly what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and they have their expectations. The Orioles coming into the season and still right now do not have a World Series championship as the goal. They're not operating as if that is the goal. The Texas Rangers are operating as if that is the goal. The Toronto Blue Jays are not operating as if winning a World Series is the goal. They are operating as if winning a playoff series, maybe two, is Mm -hmm. the goal. In my mind. Because if winning the World Series was the goal, they would have been more aggressive. They would have gotten those bats. They did not, and that just tells me these moves, they did not make the team drastically better. They kept the team right where it is, and this team Mm -hmm. is a wild, like you said, a wild card team, so they're going to be on the road in the first round, and if they can win that series, the fan base is going to be excited, and then you go to the next series and maybe you push a little bit, and if you lose, but it's a good series, I think the front office will probably look at it as a win. They'll be disappointed, but they'll look at it as a win. I agree. And one thing that Blue Jays fans can sort of hang their hat on is that if you look throughout the history of the game, I mean, the teams that win are based around defense and pitching. And that is one thing that this Toronto Blue Jays have. I mean, going into a five-game series, riding on the backs of Kevin Gosman and Jose Barrios and some sort of double-headed dragon of Chris Bassett and Yusei Kikuchi. I mean, honestly, right. man, that's not no. too shabby. No, it's I not. Just, they, if, but, they got if, it. but then you got to win one nothing. <laughs> like, this is the team Toronto has assembled. Right. 
Right. What are your feelings on the American League East, the rest of the AL East deadline acquisition? The Yankees didn't and do this, anything. The, yeah, the Yankees did nothing. Re-hope. The Red Sox did nothing. The Rays got in. Savali, that was really it. And the Orioles raised the floor with Flaherty. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an underwhelming deadline across the board in the American League East. It's wild to think the Jays probably won the trade deadline out of the American League East, which <laughs> might have. Is, yeah, is is wild. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm with you that Baltimore super disappointing to see that management not. That's the thing they didn't even have to take it on money. They they literally have the prospect capital. They could have even if they wanted to take on zero. They could look at the Mets. The Mets are throwing mm-hmm. around money. They would have gladly paid their whole thing if they gave them an extra uh prospector too right exactly so i don't understand that uh boston i i honestly of all the teams that did nothing man the red Sox, i cannot understand they have just been mm-hmm. there the whole time mm-hmm. everyone has doubted them that clubhouse has every reason to consider themselves the underdog and the guys who are going to come out of nowhere and make yeah. those high paying teams pay right <laughs> right <laughs> take right. down those high paid orioles but like literally the, the red Sox, man they're a good team they're a yeah. scary good team that's that just doesn't get enough credit and i think that's a real good place for them to be and to right. not see them bolstered like honestly I, I was gonna bring it up in uh in the winners category but i had i had kind of like the cubs as a sneaky good trade deadline mm-hmm. uh just with the fact that they didn't sell right and they still went out mm-hmm. and got uh candelario out of washington you know not the greatest piece to add but i i, I mean a bat nonetheless that does raise the floor again in in chicago right. they're in a a soft division no offense right. to the reds and milwaukee but they're not the superpowers you would think they're definitely catchable they're only mm-hmm. four games back and then you look at boston in a very similar situation do nothing yeah. it's just weird it's just weird to see i feel like i expected them to do something i feel like they and there's a few other teams that fell back on this too they saw players that were returning from injury as additions at this point and boston has two trevor stories right around the corner mm-hmm. chris sale is right around the corner which are big ads they are big ads so they probably figure we don't need to do that because we are going to be better in august and september when we get these two guys back the blue jays i think saw that with ryu coming back the the, mm-hmm. the miami miami was still very aggressive but they just got jazz chisholm back so the yankees i know judge has been back for a few days but Judge really just got back, so they'll be better. You would think they would have a better August than they had July. A lot of teams, I think, were able to lean on the fact or feel comfort in, we just got these guys back. We're going to be better. We don't have to make the moves. But it was a rather underwhelming deadline in the American League East. Let's let's talk about moving forward. Let's talk about the rest of the season. Based on what Toronto did, we touched on it a little bit a minute ago, but your expectations for the Blue Jays the rest of the way. How does this play out? Are they going to start winning games against American League East teams? We know they crush everybody else. They have a lot of games against American League East teams. They got like six games against the Yankees. They got another four or so against the Boston Red Sox, who I don't think they've beaten this year. What are your expectations for the Jays moving forward the rest of the year? Are they going to hold on to a wild card spot? 
What do you what, what do you think about this team moving forward? I think when it comes to the Orioles and the Red Sox's record over the Blue Jays, it's between the ears. Uh, they're, yeah. it's, they're in their head, man. Yeah. And I, it, it was a big win today with Kikuchi on the mound. I really do believe if the Jays can win tomorrow mm-hmm. and then take game one against the Red Sox, that's three wins in a row against American League East Momentum. teams. Momentum. The monkey gets off the back a little bit. I think they're going yeah. to be fine because, listen, the Orioles are a good team. But they are not as good of a team as the the as the Blue Jays are making them out to be. My yes. goodness, man! I know you think they were playing a team that never loses, and that right. goes double for the Boston Red Sox. So right. I really think that a lot of this that they, they can really do a lot for their season. Taking four of the next six games that they play against yeah. you know these next these next the over the weekend here i i personally think that this toronto blue jays team is exactly who they have been all year which means that yeah there's going to be scary moments when it looks like they might fall out of the playoffs then they'll go on a eight and two run and everyone will start to be like wow could they actually catch the division leader and take over the al east and then they fall flat on their face and you're like this team's horrible they'll never and it's just like this constant perpetual cycle of like (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's what i think the blue jays will be i think they're going to make the playoffs and then man anything can happen right fingers crossed at that point but i i don't have a lot of faith that they go deep in this year's postseason I think that, I mean, I think we share that opinion that this is a team that best case scenario, they win a first round series. And then the problem is they could be going up against an American League, American League East opponent, depending on how things shake out with the seeds, they could be going up against a AL East team in the second round and just be outmatched. They, the rest of the way, I would love it if they could at least be 500 against American League East opponents and they yes, can continue <laughs> to do what you have done to all of the other outside of the division opponents. Continue to beat up on them. They have, for those not aware, the best record in baseball mm-hmm. against teams outside of their division. and But against teams inside the division, they have the worst record. So they're two completely different teams. It's Jekyll and Hyde when they are playing an AL East foe and when they're playing anybody else, at least go 500 against those, those teams and then take care of business because you've got the Orioles or the Rays are most like they're going to grab one of the wild card spots. Mm-hmm. The Astros and Rangers, I think are going to push each other, right? Yeah. With the Astros getting Verlander with the Rangers making their moves. You got to think that both of those teams are going to make the playoffs. So then Toronto is in play for one of the maybe the final wild card spot. They got to hold off Boston. They got to hold off New York. They have to hold off the Angels, who are coming like a bat out of hell. They have to hold off the Seattle Mariners. It's going to be tough. And if they go and get their butt kicked against AL East opponents, they could be in trouble. I, I, I'm going to say they still make the playoffs, but it's not a given. Quick question for you. Do you think yeah. the AL East do you think the AL East becomes the first division in history to have all of their teams above 500 by the end of the year? I didn't I think do. they'd make it to 100 games, but I yeah. think they are. I think I think they will. Wow. And it's going to be um, humiliating it, for the Twins 
For, yeah, <laughs> the Twins could be uh, win the division and be 80 and 82. Yeah. I, I do think the American League East will have everybody above 500. I think Boston's good enough to stay above 500 the rest of the way. I mean, all they got to do is play 500 ball to hold that. Mm-hmm. And I think the Yankees are better than their record. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, yeah. and judge coming back. And yeah, yeah, I mean, Carlos Rodon is not going to be as bad as, as he's been. He's just not. Right. I, I I mean, yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees, I love that they are at the bottom of the AL East right now. How can I not? I'm an AL East fan. I think the other four fan bases would agree. It's a beautiful thing, but to trust that they are going to stay there, that is a, a scary proposition. And I, right. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. Me too. Um, Scott, tell our listeners where they can find you, be it on social media, be it on YouTube, be it on podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you and and your wonderful co-host that we had not even mentioned. But tell everybody where they can where they can find all your content. So we do a Blue Jay specific podcast called The Walk Off. You're going to be able to find that on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have all sorts of really great guests on. In fact, we just talked to Jay Jackson from the Blue Jays bullpen just this morning. So that'll be released tomorrow. We run a mailbag every Tuesday and our regular show every single Friday. You can follow us on Twitter at walk off podcast and Instagram, the walk off podcast. And Jim, honestly, man, I love what you've done with ball cap. I love what you do with barreled up. Uh, just thanks for having me on the show, man. I love talking baseball with you. Scott, likewise, thank you. The Admirate, it goes both ways. I think you have done an amazing job. You get some incredible guests over there. Make sure to check out the Walk-Off Podcast, everybody. And Scott, I look forward to having you back. We can touch base again and see how the Blue Jays are progressing. Maybe maybe if things start to fall apart, we have an emergency press conference, <laughs> uh, you know, crank fest down the way. But hopefully we won't need that one. Uh, that is going to do it for this one, everybody. Thank you for coming in and spending some time with the podcast. Reminder, again, turn those automatic downloads on so you get the content as soon as it is uploaded. It is coming almost every single day, so I don't want you to miss any of it. Turn those automatic downloads on. Find us wherever you get your podcast, the Odyssey app. And again, anywhere, Apple, Spotify, you name it, the Barreled Up podcast is there. Thank you guys for coming in and spending time with us. And I look forward to talking with you all again soon. Thanks, guys.